0: Hi, this is the podcast channel of Lighthouse Church in Ottawa, Canada. We are a family. We don't do life alone. We are about the one, each and every one. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Our hope and prayer is always for life change. Here is today's message. Be blessed as you listen. Open your Bibles with me this morning to the book of John chapter 3. It's going to be a great word. It's going to be a great, great word. I start this word today and I finish it up next week. It's going to be a great word. This word is gonna bless me. It's gonna transform me. Amen. John chapter three, I'm gonna read from verse one to verse number six in the New Living Translation of the Bible. John chapter three from verse one to six. This is what the Bible says. The Bible says there was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader, was a Pharisee and after dark one evening at night under the cover of darkness he came to speak with Jesus rabbi he said we all know that God has sent you to teach us your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you (laughs) your miraculous signs are evidence That God is with you in in the King James or the New King James Version. This is one of my favorite texts. um, It says that no man can do these works unless God is with him. And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean? exclaimed Nicodemus. How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? jesus replied i assure you no one can enter the kingdom of god without being born of water and the spirit verse number six humans can reproduce only human life but the holy spirit gives birth to spiritual life humans can reproduce only human life but the holy spirit gives birth to spiritual, spiritual life. How many of you have ever been to an emergency room? The ER? Um, Some spiritual people amongst you right now are probably saying, I reject that. I would never go to an emergency room in Jesus' name. Yes, yes, I'm not saying you will go. Have you ever been though to to an emergency room? The truth really is that the emergency rooms in the hospitals uh, in the western world, in the US, in Canada, at least the ones I have been to, they're not so much emergency rooms as they are just waiting rooms for the most part. Um, any Anywhere that you go and wait three hours before you see a doctor cannot be an emergency room, by my definition. This is Deji's encyclopedia or dictionary definition of an emergency. It, it cannot just be. You go into an emergency room, I actually have a feeling that they intentionally waste your time to get you frustrated enough so that you just get upset and say you know what i'm healed now i'm going home i don't need to see a doctor anymore so you go into the ER most times you sit down they take you to registration then they take it to triage and then after that you wait in some inner 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 waiting room and then you see a doctor and it's amazing that the doctors no no offense to the doctors in the house you know i love you guys deeply um <laughs> all the doctors in the ER come and spend three minutes with you and tell you to go home and take Tylenol most times um, if your case is really bad, they order some kind of an x-ray or something like that. But the thing, though, is that there is a part of the ER which is, <laughs> you already see that um, when you're waiting in the waiting room where people have actual emergencies. These are people who come in, you know, either, you know, in an ambulance and from the moment that they get to the door, you know that this is an emergency. They don't ask them to sit down. They don't even ask them to register. They're technically registering them as they're wheeling them inside. Um, doctors, multiple doctors, pounce on them um, instantly. Nurses are asking them questions. Uh, what was the last thing you remember, blah, blah, blah. This this is from me just watching a bunch of you know TV shows and stuff. Um, so that tells you that there's a difference between the ER and the ER, right? So you're talking about people who have maybe experienced some kind of trauma. Um, you know, some sort or need some kind of resuscitating or something like that. It's 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 an urgent situation. And of course because it's urgent, because it's an emergent issue, there is a sense of almost panic, all right, urgency, um, as they attend to that to that person right there and then there is perhaps someone grabs maybe a, a defibrillator or something, they start IV fluids, they, they just start to do anything about emergent emergency rooms is like really they try to stabilize the patient. The objective of the ER team is not to to treat or to to cure you or whatever is wrong with you. The first thing they're trying to do is to salvage your life, make sure that you don't die because your life is clearly at risk. They they try to stabilize, you know, the patient so that they don't lose the patient. That's that's it. And 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 so there's a lot of running around. Um, to make this happen. This is not the emergency room that most people walk to, you know, on their own two feet and say hey I think the left side of my head hurts a little bit. This is like actual emergency And and so today <laughs> This is relevant because the, the, the topic of my conversation today and next week is state of emergency That's my topic um, state of emergency and it sounds ominous but if you're looking for and you're trying to figure out look I can't find that in the Bible where where does the Bible talk about a state of emergency if you're looking for a more friendly topic it's I'm struggling in my spiritual life all right state of state of emergency dash I am struggling in my spiritual life <laughs> I'm struggling in my spiritual life amen so the text we read all right John chapter 3 from verse 1 to 6 by the way, John chapter three has the most popular verse in all of Christianity, John three sixteen, for God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son. Come on, help me finish that. For those of you who went to Sunday school, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting or eternal life. Very popular verse of the Bible. But when you backtrack to the earlier parts of John chapter three, you realize that this is actually a conversation between Jesus and a guy called Nicodemus nicodemus and jesus this guy called nicodemus he's a pharisee all right he's one of the religious elites he's religiously learned he's one of those people he belongs to a sect um in israel at the time that jesus had a lot of trouble with Um, the people who he often called hypocrites and he often chastised them for forcing people to obey the law knowing fully well that the law cannot justify and no one could fully keep the law not only did they Try to hold people to the letter of the law, but they actually made up additional laws by themselves. You know, just to make themselves feel a bit more holy and righteous. Um, and so Jesus had a hard time with these people. And and Nicodemus belongs to this sect. Paul also was a Pharisee. He says, you know, as touching the law of Pharisee of Pharisees or something like that. And so this guy belongs to a religious group, okay, an elite religious group. And, and John the writer of the book here is telling us that Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night but when you step back a couple you know a couple of verses you now find yourself in John chapter 2 you realize what the backdrop to this to this whole visitation is is that Jesus had done so many miracles that shocked the people and so there was a rumbling around town that this guy this there's this guy who's in town who is doing some wonders signs and wonders and even amongst the religious elites there was conversation all right keep in mind though for your for your benefit that the person the writer of john john himself he is his gospel is very different from the three other gospels matthew luke matthew mark and luke rather um he he writes for two primary purposes the first reason why is to prove to you, to convince everyone that reads that Jesus was indeed God. Not man, not a servant, not an anointed man, but that he was indeed God, all right? Talked to you about this before. For me to say the same thing to you twice, it's, for you, it is beneficial, okay? Um, And so, everything that John writes about, really, is to prove, is to solidify, is to give us you know, more evidence an argument okay for his point for his thesis that jesus is god is god all right and the second reason why he writes is to convince us to therefore believe in him because he is god and so john does not write about too many different miracles um jesus does so many miracles but john picks a few miracles to emphasize because all the miracles in the book of john are notable miracles they're miracles that only god can do all right um the healing of someone with a fever, that is a miracle, but guess what? Yeah, you can argue that that was not really a miracle. Anything could have happened. She got healed, the, the, the disease left her, whatever. But when he turns water to wine, no one can argue with that. All right, when he raises a Lazarus from the dead, in John chapter 11, who'd been dead for four days and buried, nobody can argue with that. All right, and so he'd done miracles. And so Nicodemus and a group of people observed this. And they're wondering, who is this dude? And so Nicodemus takes initiative. He sneaks to you know Jesus' hotel at night, shows up at the, the front desk and says, I want to see Jesus. And Jesus grants him an audience. And he has a very strange introduction, or, which is really a question. He says to him, I've come to see you and this is how I introduce myself. Well, um, I know about you that you are a teacher who has come from God because no man can do the works that you do unless God is with him. I like the fact that Nicodemus says that we, 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 that's what he says. John chapter number one, verse number two, he says, we all know. So that means that amongst the Pharisees, amongst the religious leaders, by the way, Nicodemus was not just a Pharisee. He was a member of the Sanhedrin, which is a group of 70 leaders in the Jewish nation. It was like a member of parliament. So it wasn't just a, a Pharisee. He was a religious leader, uh, one of the one of the few. And even in the Sanhedrin, he had you know a revert post. He was someone who was very respected. So this guy comes to Jesus and says, look, we, me and my entire crew, me and my group of friends, we know, we, <laughs> we've been around a while, and what you're doing is strange. We know that no man can do these things unless God is with him. And Jesus goes ahead to confuse his life. Jesus says to him, well, verily, verily, I say unto you, no man shall see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. And Nicodemus is like, I'm sorry, what do you mean, born again? And Jesus tries to explain by confusing him further by saying to him that actually, you know what, unless you are born of water and the spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. Then he says to him in chapter in verse number six very important, he says that. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual, to spiritual life. The Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. And so what's happening here is Jesus is introducing him to the concept of the new birth. And he's saying to him that really what the Holy Spirit does at the new birth is that he gives you spiritual spiritual life remember if you backtrack the book of genesis chapter 1 you always find most times we find ourselves there so don't that's not strange to you the Bible says that God made man God said let us make man in our own image after our likeness the reason why one of the reasons why God would make man in his image and likeness is because the nature man was created okay, to commune with God, to fellowship with God, and from that relationship that man would have with God, man can then have his natural life. And so that's why the Bible says that the day that you break the relationship, that day that you sin, the day that you you breach that agreement with God, he says, in that day, you will surely die. I said all that to say this, that from the point of view of the scriptures, If you don't have Jesus, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you are living, but you don't have life. Say that again so that the people in Portugal can hear me. If you do not have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, you are living, but you don't have life. Jesus said, remember John chapter 14 and verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the definite article, the life. No man can come to the Father except by me. So if you don't have a relationship with God through Jesus, you are living, you are inhaling and exhaling breath, but you do not have life from the point of view of the Bible and from the point of view of Jesus. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that the day you eat, you will surely die. So there is a separation that occurs. You don't have life. You don't have the zoe, zoe life of God in you if you don't have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. The Bible actually says this in John 10 and verse 10, I believe the Bible says that the thief comes not but to steal, to kill and to destroy, but I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. So if I don't come, if I if I, if I don't show up, if you don't have a relationship with God through me, you don't have life. Talk less of anything more abundantly. You only have life. I say it so that we are clear. When you have a relationship with God, through Jesus Christ. John 1 in verse 4, the Bible says in him, him, Jesus was life and that life was the light of men. All right. So you only have life when you have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And that's what happens when you become a Christian. You become born again, you're saved. That spiritual life starts. And from that day, your spiritual life becomes your real life. I say it again so that the people in Toju's hometown can hear me. The day you give your heart to Jesus, your spiritual life becomes your primary life, not your physical life. So your spiritual life is actually your real life. And I'll prove that to you in a second. And I know because we live in a physical world and we're very in touch with the physical things around us, we tend to think that, you know, a physical life, I mean, a natural life or whatever is that, uh, no. Your spiritual life is your real life. Don't forget I'm talking about states of emergency. I'm struggling in my spiritual life. Why do I say that your spiritual life is your real life? Because your natural life would flow and follow the direction that your spiritual life goes. How do I, how do I, now, okay. Think about the children of Israel. Just if you're one of those people who's given to math and numbers, you like graphs and visuals like I do, you can plot their life, okay, x and y axis, and plot a graph that shows their relationship with God. The peaks being when their relationship is good, and the valleys being when their relationship is bad. So you you would most likely see a graph that looks something like this, up and down, up and down, up and down, because that's how their relationship with God was good and bad, and good and bad, and good and bad, and good and bad. Now... On the same axis, hmm, you plot their life, their natural life, how things were going for them. You would realize that it very closely followed how their spiritual life was 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 evolving. That graph would look identical with hmm, a bit of a difference in time. So naturally, your natural life, your physical life, your life around you, your 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 world would flow in the direction that your spiritual life is going. Your spiritual life is your real, is your real life. Don't forget that the Bible says this, that the body, pay attention, without the spirit is dead. The body without the spirit is dead. So that means that you can find an able-bodied man, healthy, six foot four, built, muscular, not an ounce of disease in in, in his body, The moment, if in that moment, the spirit of that man leaves him, that body, that healthy body, that six-pack body is going to drop dead. So that tells you that it is the spirit then of a man that gives the body life. So if it's the spirit that gives your physical body, your flesh, gives it existence, because as soon as the body dies, from that moment, it starts to decay. That means then that your spiritual life is more important than your physical life. That means that your spiritual life is what controls your physical life. The body without the spirit is dead. The spirit without the body is still alive because the Bible says it returns to God, returns to God. So therefore, it is by far more superior. Your real life is your spiritual life. And so the body without the spirit is dead. That tells you that the seen world without the unseen world is dead if we extend that analogy, all right? Stay with me. That tells me, then, that you and I were designed to live from the inside out, not from the outside in, which is exactly how most of us live, many of us live. You're meant to live from your spirit out, okay? Out of the abundance of your spirit, that's what's meant to drive and control your life, not the external things that happen to you. Your spirit, your spiritual life is indeed your real life you know there's a french um philosopher that said that we are spiritual beings having a human experience so we're not human beings having a spiritual existence i people say, oh i just had a spiritual existence no, you, um, experience no you didn't have a spiritual. you are a spiritual being having a human a human experience hmm. so your spiritual life would control your possibilities spiritual life will determine the flow of your life your spiritual life is what will determine what direction your life is going think about it this way when you look at the human body and you think about blood the blood because the blood touches every aspect of your body the blood flows to every single part of your body all right if you went and so if you want to see a doctor hematologist I believe that's what they're called blood doctors someone check me if I'm wrong and he says to you you have a terrible blood illness Um, you're not gonna go home saying well at least it's just my blood that's sick well my head is still fine I still see with my eyes everything else is still working properly if your blood is sick your whole body is sick and that's exactly what the spirit is once your spirit is not right your spiritual life is not okay, you are in need of emergency rescue. You're in need of urgent care. As a matter of fact, you need to go check yourself into a spiritual clinic as quickly as possible because you need urgent care. Your spiritual life is your real life. Don't ever forget that. So when we talk about being spiritual and people say, well, you're just being too spiritual. Are Are you the person who killed Jesus? No, no. You fail to understand that If you're a Christian if you're a Christian your life would flow in the direction that your spiritual life goes your spiritual life starts to go down it's a matter of time before your life starts to go in that direction as well your spirit is what leads the way and everything else everything else follows can I press into this conversation for a little bit what are the symptoms What are the signs that you're struggling in your spiritual life? And the reason why we're having this conversation is because it's extremely difficult, difficult. It's challenging. As a matter of fact, to maintain a consistent spiritual life. And if you are being honest with yourself, if you can be bold enough to acknowledge it, there've been seasons in your life where you felt like you were struggling in your spiritual life. You just weren't feeling it. You felt like it was, you were just going through the motions all right, you were struggling to pray, you were struggling to do the things you used to do with pleasure before. Your spiritual life seemed to have taken a bit of a hit. And I'm saying to you that that is an emergency. That's not a situation where you just go around hanging out and say, oh, you know, doctor, I'm fine. It's only seven of my arteries that are blocked. No, that is the time to call 911 and say, I need an ambulance quickly. Spiritual life. I'm struggling in my spiritual life. So I want to help us, okay? I want to help us Deal with this issue. I want to help us, and eventually, I'll give us practical steps that put you on a path to consistent, steady spiritual growth and have you know that helps you have a healthy spiritual life. But what are some of the symptoms? Because some of you are like, mm, I'm not sure if I'm struggling in my spiritual life or not. What are the symptoms? What are the signs of a person who's struggling in their spiritual life? The first sign I want to talk about is what I call a loss of discernment or perception a loss of discernment or perception. Your ability to discern or your ability to perceive, and they're two different things. They're very closely related, but they're very different. Discernment speaks to right judgment, okay, between options. To discern good from bad, to discern spirit of God from the enemy. To discern means to know something spiritually but usually when there are options to perceive however is there there is no consideration on the table so for example let me give you a classic example your girl um and a guy comes to you and he's you know saying all the right all the right words and here you are you know he ticks all the boxes you know all the boxes that you have now discernment is what allows you to discern the heart of that person Okay, whether it's right, whether it's wrong, that's not perception. Perception is, um, I'm just about going out, and I perceive that, you know, I should go left, or I shouldn't go out at all. I perceive something. It comes to you. It's it, it's okay. One of the classic examples I remember in the Bible that always makes me laugh when I read that story is in Acts chapter twenty-seven. Paul and he's a prisoner he's on his way to rome and he tells the people on the journey with him i perceive that this journey is going to be dangerous that's not discernment that's perception it comes to you so perception is a spiritual knowing discernment is judging rightly in your heart these two things your perception and your ability to discern can be the difference between life and death for a christian I'll say that again, your ability, your your capacity to discern, all right, (laughs) or to perceive something can be the difference between life or death for a Christian. It is extremely critical. These two are extremely critical. So what happens when your spiritual life starts to struggle is that you start to lose perception and discernment. And discernment is not, it's not the Lord speaking to you. Let me clarify that. I'm not talking about God spoke to me or the Holy Spirit said to me, or I had a vision, I had a dream. No, none of that is perception and none of that is discernment. The reason why these are very sensitive is because this is the primary way that God speaks to us or God allows us to understand him. It's your discernment and your perception. And what it is really, uh, this is exactly what discernment and perception is. If they allow you to pick the mind of God, God has not said anything, but you pick his mind on an issue. So for example, if Buki and I, Buki is my wife, for those of you in Tanzania, um, if Buki and I, you know, maybe we we'll go somewhere and maybe someone says something, but because maybe because we're in public and what was said, maybe it was, I don't know, maybe I didn't like what was said or something, just an example. So I play it off or I just pretend like it, it never happened. But because of the relationship, she's able to pick my mind on that issue. And understand that even though I said no words, no words, I did nothing on the ex- you know, on the exterior. That 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 communicated my uh, my displeasure. She can pick it from my heart. That's discernment. That's how perception and discernment work. You are picking things from the mind of God. He's not saying anything to you. And this is one of the major ways that God would deal with you as a child of God. He would, You would have to pick things from his mind. You would have to glean details, okay, direction from his heart without him saying anything. When God starts to show you dreams and visions and he sends a prophet to you and all that stuff, God is being extra merciful because the primary way that God communicates with us is non-cognitive communication. It's heart to heart. The Bible says deep calls unto deep. Okay, spirit to spirit communication. You would search the deep things of God and find it out without Him saying anything to you. And so, when you when, when, your discern, when your discernment is weak, when you're not able to discern what's happening in your environment. So, for example, everything on this and discernment requires you to to pick something that's not obvious. So, for example, your family, everything is going well. You know, your husband who's not even a romantic person for the past one week he's just been telling you i love you five times a day and you know your kids are behaving so nicely your discernment is the ability to see beneath the surface and say something feels off i should pray it's not obvious that's why it's called discernment okay if it was obvious then it's not discernment at all it's just it's just plain plain you know it's it's in your face discernment when you start to lose discernment and perception you need to check yourself into a spiritual clinic at the speed of light because it's a sign it's one of the symptoms that you're spiritual that you're struggling in your spiritual life when you cannot know the mind of God on an issue when you're struggling to discern God's will I'm not saying his voice this is where you're picking things from his mind for your own benefit extremely Extremely important. That's how Jesus lived most of his life. He, he just discerned things. He picked things from the mind of the Father, not because the Father was always speaking to him, but he was able to know the mind of God. And because he could do that, obviously, he lived that life, the kind of life that he lived. Your discernment, okay, and your perception. If you lose any of those or they start to wane, that is a sign that your spiritual life needs attention. The second symptom. Is when there is a re-emergence of sin the return of old sin so let's assume you give your heart to Jesus you were struggling with you know a couple of things and you conquered those things because you were growing spiritually naturally when you start to see traces of the sins that you had conquered four years ago three years ago two years ago one year ago start to show up again in your life you need to understand (laughs) <laughs> that it means that your spiritual life is not in is not in order so I'll give you my example for me now for example uh when i met the lord i was i was in the entertainment business let's put it that way <clears throat> hallelujah entertainment business all right um and so i started to back away from that i started you know trying to please god live right all that dropped a bunch of things along the way dropped that as well so start going to the club and all that stuff. Now, if I find myself in any season of my life in the club again, now, as soon as I get to that club, I should just dial 911 and say, check me into an intercessory clinic as quickly as possible. This is a state of emergency. It's a sign that something is not right with your spiritual life. I hope you understand that. The, th- the things that you used to do before, and you had victory over them, and you even testified, and you said, "Oh, I used to, I used to lie." God delivered me from lying. I used to kiss in the movie th- movie theaters. <clears throat> God, whew, God delivered me from that. But guess what? I'm doing it again. Or even the desire. So, so for me, for example, because I've conquered that, you know, since 2006, I conquered that one. If today, I don't even go to the club, if I just have a feeling like, oh, I just missed the days of clubbing, th- this is a fact. It's a sign that something has shifted in my spiritual life. I need to figure it out. Just the desire, not that I act on it, just the desire, because that's so far conquered. I mean, I'm not saying I've conquered everything in my life, but I'm just saying that that one is 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 gone. It should never show up again in any context in my life. All right, and so when you, when you look at your life, Think about the things that you're dealing with, other things that you had victory over in the past, sins that you, you know, you had conquered, and now you're suddenly finding yourself struggling with those things again. That is a symptom. Okay, that your spiritual life is not gonna... what's number three. A symptom of a spiritual life that needs urgent care is when oppression of the enemy returns. This is different from sin. This is when areas of your life where the enemy oppressed you before are starting to show up again. I'm saying you already had victory over it. Not that you've never had victory. So, for example, you, hey, someone used to come to you when you were sleeping and whip you with, with, um, with whips. It's not funny. This thing happens, I'm telling you. And you became a Christian, you did deliverance, and you had the victory over that. so it's not happened for the past three or four years but all of a sudden last week it happened again that's a sign that your spiritual life needs attention all right battles that you've won in the past starting to rear its head again you know god had dealt with your depression your panic attacks your anxiety five months six months you even testified you know the day you prayed about it it was a faith project god gave you victory every single night before when you sleep you would have nightmares but guess what you haven't had any for the past eight months and all of a sudden it starts to come back that's one of the signs that you need to check your spiritual life when there is a resurgence a re-emergence of oppression that you had victory over let me tell you something about the enemy that we have and you know this i'm not one of those spooky people i in no way glorify the devil at all i'm extremely disrespectful to him think he's a nuisance all right but one thing about the enemy that we have is that he's very patient and he has a habit of coming back so let me give you a scripture the bible says in the book of luke chapter 11 luke 11 from verse 24 jesus is talking because it's jesus talking you need to pay attention it says when an unclean spirit a devil a demon goes out of a man He goes through the dry places, seeking rest and finding none. He says, I will return to my house. I will do what? I will return to my house. In the name of Jesus, no devil would call you his house. That's so disrespectful. It's so rude. Makes me angry. I will return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he observes he looks, he's like, hmm, let's let's see the state of this house. And the Bible says that when he finds it swept and put in order, he goes and finds seven other devils, more weaker than himself, and they come. And the Bible says that the end of that man is actually worse than the beginning. Because Jesus said this, you need to listen to this. And I want, what I'm about to say now, I don't, don't take it out of context, okay? I want you to understand me and listen to me completely before you run with it. Any form of oppression of the enemy. Call it depression. If it's demon-related, anxiety, panic attacks, attacks in the night, when you're sleeping, someone comes to beat you, when you're sleeping, someone comes to rape you, um, you're sleeping, someone is choking you, Any any kind of attack of the enemy when you get freedom from it as a christian that can always come back i said pay attention to the end please so you don't say uh, pastor says we can never be delivered if your spiritual life does not stay consistent that's what jesus was trying to say if your life is not in order spiritually the by the way, we're talking about spirits, so don't think that the enemy, the, the devil. Look, next year I'll do a teaching on deliverance and demons if the Lord will give me liberty to do that. One of the things you have to understand is that we're talking about spirits, they have a long memory, they don't forget. Okay, some of the devils that people deal with today have been in their families for 200 years, 300 years. The devil does not, spirits don't forget and they don't get tired, so they can stay and just wait for you for three years, for 10 years, and just be saying. Da, 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 da. Are you done? Okay. They're looking for the day when the description, what Jesus says, said that the day that your house is swept and in order and there's nothing in it, there's no Holy Spirit, the Bible says that they will come back and repossess that situation. And that's why you find that you've been free from something, you know, it's not happened to you in the past eight months, even eight years sometimes, even 10 years, and all of a sudden you find that it happens again. That's a sign that, listen, that's a sign that the enemy observed you and figured that he has an opening to attack put your spiritual life in order it's a state of emergency the bible says this about jesus that when the devil came to tempt him when he was done the bible says that the devil left him for a season for a season he came back and when he came back, he came back using Peter. And Jesus said to Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. And I can just imagine that conversation because we're talking about a conversation where just a couple of verses before Jesus Christ was saying to Peter, you know, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. You are so spiritual, Peter. Wow. Upon this rock, I will build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against you. I'll give you the keys of the kingdom. And the next thing just is, hey, get thee behind me, Satan. I'm sure people were like, look, this guy is bipolar. Like we knew that all that prayer was eventually going to run him mad but the devil came back, he will come back. If you've never had a problem before in an area, fine, but if you've ever gotten deliverance and freedom from any form of oppression of the enemy, for someone who's, who's, um, you, you've, um, you're you've, you bright, very bright, but you study, you get to the exam hall, and you blank out. It happened to you, specifically happened to you in your second year of university, all right? Um, and now you are starting to see Traces of that return. You had victory. Put your spiritual life in order. The enemy is looking for the day. <laughs> when you let your God down. And I'm not saying in fear of the enemy. I'm not saying you should pursue God because you don't want the devil to possess you. But I'm telling you exactly what happens because that's what Jesus says, that he will come back. You have an enemy who is very real, very active, has a long memory, does not get tired. He will come back. There was a reason why he was there in the first place. Something granted him access and he will come back. Mm-hmm. symptoms so I said number one when you have when you're losing discernment and perception number two when there's a return of habitual sin all right number three when there's a re-emergence of oppressions any form of oppression of the enemy in your life that's a sign that your spiritual life is not quite intact just say one more because I don't have time when you have no appetite to pray study the word or to serve when you have no appetite for the things of god um prayer and studying of the word i would group those together and say that they are almost on the same level in terms of importance service comes after that because as a matter of fact you should only serve from a place of relationship all right by the time the enemy starts to attack your service and you say well i don't want to serve anymore he has done much damage that's your, your way down the slope right but the first thing is that he takes away your appetite for prayer and if you've been honest with yourself you will know that you've been through those seasons where you struggle to pray takes away your prayer, for prayer takes away your appetite for the word of god um when any of those are happening examine your life today are you are you sharp your discernment are you sharp in your perception are you able to pick the mind of god go digging and find what you look what you're looking for in the mind of god is there a pattern of sin that has come back is there oppression that has returned that had left before and has now returned or are you struggling to pray to read your bible or to serve The Bible says to us in the book of Acts chapter six, this is when an administrative issue arises amongst the apostles. And the Bible says that the widows were being neglected in the distribution of the daily portion. And the apostles were wise enough to understand that um, this is a distraction. The enemy, it's good to feed widows. It's good to make sure that the widows get, get, get fed but and to serve. <laughs> but it says, let us appoint men to do that so that we can do two things focus on the ministry of the word and on prayer if you're a christian you've been a christian for 5 years 6 years 8 years 10 years 2 weeks and you're not serious about prayer they're not serious about study of must read study of the word of god you you need to give some attention to your spiritual life okay the two of them go together um if i was to pick one that was more important i'll probably slightly favor the word because you can only pray the word is a seed for prayer all right but both of them are very important if you're not praying you're at risk if you're not reading the word you're at risk um think about it this way the word of god helps you grow the bible says as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word in the book of peter that you may grow thereby that's what it says but prayer makes you strong the word makes you grow prayer makes you strong so if you give birth to a child you give the child food naturally the child is going to grow and develop it's going to become i don't know six feet, six feet tall like me but just because he he's grown does not mean that he has capacity right so to be strong you need to exercise. You need to go lift some weights. You need to call Coach Brian and field athletics. All right? And when you do that, you're not just grown, you're also strong. And so the word of God helps you to grow, to grow, but prayer makes you strong. The word can make you strong too, and prayer can help you to grow, but more so the word helps you grow, And prayer makes you strong, makes you have stature in the spirit, all right? Not one without the other. Both of them go together. And of course, you serve. And of course, you serve. When your spiritual life is failing, when you're struggling in your spiritual life, you're struggling to pray, you're struggling to read your Bible, you're struggling with things that you have once overcome, You're losing appetite for all the things of God. Everyone is excited about, hey, yeah, there's something going on. Let's go. Let's go pray. Let's go do this. Before, you were the first one there. Now, you're aloof. You don't care anymore. Urgent care is needed. Urgent care is needed. That's one of those cases where you need to be wheeled into the spiritual clinic on a journey. And immediately, they pump you full of IV fluids and try to get a pulse because... Your spiritual life is your real life, and what's happening this season, as we all are struggling through a pandemic and life seems to be hitting us with all kinds of curveballs, is that our spiritual life seems to take a bit a beating. We're living from the outside in. We're allowing the things that are happening on the exterior to affect us on the inside. Whereas we are meant and we're built to live from the outside or from the inside, from the inside out. And so you can be in church. And you're serving faithfully excite with excitement but you're not praying you're not studying your word that's a problem that's a problem that's a problem and so I like how Jesus talks to Nicodemus at the beginning don't forget what he says to him in John 3 6 he says that humans can reproduce only human life but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life once you become born again the Holy Spirit gives you a spiritual life. And it's your job to nurture that spiritual life, to keep it consistent, to keep it active, all right, for the rest of your days. The Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. One of the things that we're going to do, because I feel very strongly about this, not this Sunday, next week Sunday. So next week Sunday, I finish this teaching. With Next week, I spend my time talking about practical ways to maintain your spiritual life, practical ways to be consistent, all right, um, in your spiritual life but on Sunday next week Sunday evening evening we're going to have a session all right which we call I'm gonna call it recharge recharge specifically to help us reignite our spiritual lives um, it's a prayer session gonna pray from 7 to 10 p.m. if you want to revitalize you want to revive your spiritual life plan to be there all right will pray and i'm going to trust god that god will spark something in you that will keep you going at least for the next season of your life i have a feeling that many of us need that jolt of energy we need that that um (laughs) that help all right that jump you know how sometimes the battery of a car is dead and you need a jump to get it started you need that boost to get you going and i pray that that will come in the name of jesus christ i'll give an opportunity to one person today at least one person today. Jesus said to Nicodemus, listen, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. You cannot enter the kingdom of God. That's where it starts. That's where the Holy Spirit starts and gives you a spiritual life to even work with. If you've not given your heart to Jesus or you know that you need to recommit yourself, your, your life has not been consistent at all with the expectations of the Lord, you want to recommit your life to Jesus today wherever you are make a decision right now right now i said it before i repeated that your spiritual life is your real life if you don't have a relationship with god through jesus christ you're living but you do not you do not have life in him was life and that life was the light of men was the light of men. wherever you are make a decision right now and i'm going to pray with you thanks again for listening to hear more messages like this one Make sure you subscribe to our podcast channel. If you want to be a blessing to others, share the message. To stay connected, download our app and follow us on Instagram at Lighthouse Church Ottawa. We love you.